This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, I'm Susie Ann, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Roundup. Each week, we take you inside the biggest local and state stories of this week. This week, Madigan's out, Welch is in. I hereby declare Emmanuel Chris Welch has been elected Speaker of the House of Representatives of the 102nd General Assembly. The Black Caucus gets a massive win. The Illinois General Assembly today passed a bill that would overhaul almost every corner of the state's criminal justice system. And state capitals prepare for possible violence ahead of Joe Biden's inauguration. This threat is real. It's present, and the American public should know that law enforcement is working around the clock to make sure that this threat is kept at bay. Here to break down those stories and more is Amanda Vinicky of WTTW. Hey, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. Also with us, Better Government Association President David Greising. Hey, David. Hey, hi. How are you? Doing well. Amanda, when Chris Welch was sworn in as Illinois House Speaker, it wasn't just a changing of the guard. It was really the end of an era. It is something that still hasn't quite set in. I think most people in Illinois by now know the name Michael Madigan because really he has been made out to be the boogeyman public enemy number one of Illinois by the Republican Party. And he has been around for so long that his fingers are on anything and everything that has happened in Illinois, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And yet it doesn't feel as if it has really sunk in, at least for me, in part because the legislative session was so odd because of COVID-19. You didn't have any opportunity to see Madigan walking the hallways of the Capitol. The press were really distanced from the floor where representatives were meeting and talking. You either in sort of the nosebleed section of the bleachers in this monster convention hall or out in an area just having to watch whatever was going on in the House play out on a TV screen. So you couldn't really see what was happening. I didn't yeah. get a feel for it. So it's almost anticlimactic considering how massive a change this is for the state. Right. Yeah. I mean, Madigan has been in power for nearly four decades. David, talk about the significance of this moment in Illinois politics. Well, it's huge. Madigan remains the chairman of the Illinois Democratic Party, and it's going to be interesting to see if he does do that. He had great impact over the selection of people who could run for office. He dominated the legislature because of his control of the legislative agenda, which bills actually got a vote or didn't, uh, which bills moved forward or didn't, uh, which bills went up or down. Really, he, more than anybody in Illinois politics in memory, controlled all that process. He exerted party discipline because he drew the electoral maps, and so he could control, in some sense, who actually had a chance of winning an election or not. And his maps were badly gerrymandered. And that's one of the reasons that Chris Welch, the new speaker, has said that gerrymandering, he's going, he wants to bring an end to it. He has mm-hmm. said that he 
uh, believes that a speaker shouldn't serve longer than 10 years. Madigan had refused any hint at term limits. And so this is a shadow that has been cast over politics as long. Amanda and I have been at it a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. Madigan has always been a dominant figure in politics in Illinois as long as for the decades we've been there. And it's just a whole new world as we move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and as you mentioned, uh, Representative Chris Welch uh, now is the speaker. Um, and let's play a clip shortly after he was elected speaker. We have 73 Democrats and we are in the supermajority because of Speaker Madigan. And I have learned a lot from his leadership. There are some things that I would like to continue, but there are some things that I would do differently. And we touched on this a bit, but Amanda, how will Speaker Welsh be different from Speaker Madigan? Real briefly before I answer that question, I just want to also say that while there are people that are certainly celebrating the demise of Madigan, I think you could hear the respect in now Speaker Welch's voice there. And from what I hear, there were a lot of Democrats who were very emotional as Madigan was leaving. And so I I think I, I just don't want to leave that out because he is such a powerful player to those of us who aren't intimately connected with him. But for people who hold office because of him, that is also incredibly significant. And I think that that is, to to your question, something that Welch is going to try to do. He is going to try to be sort of that father figure, if you will. Um, And presumably he is somebody who has learned from Madigan. I I don't think he is going to be any sort of slouch. He's going to, he is now the speaker. He is going to want to use that power. But he has said that he does not want to be speaker for anywhere close to 40 years. He, in fact, talked about passing a law that would term limit the position to 10 years. He also said that one of the things that has gotten Madigan in trouble, potentially anyway with the law, at least in terms of the appearance of impropriety, is that he's continued to practice as a property tax attorney. Mm -hmm. And Welch has said that he plans to likely step away from being partner at his law firm. And then also just changes to the rules, which sounds like whatever, they're just rules, but it is really that sort of thing that has allowed Madigan to amass the power that he has. And so if he does change some of those rules, that would be significant in terms of what gets through the General Assembly, who can pass it, what sort of actions they do and don't take. And that's where you had Republicans, I think, saying, hey, we're going to wait and watch. We've heard this talk about cooperation before, but we want to see you act. They're certainly skeptical. Mm-hmm. David, your thoughts? People criticize something like rule changes as, well, people are hung up with process. But when you change rules, that determines things like, uh, does the Legislative Black Caucus's agenda move forward with mm-hmm. speed and get mm-hmm. enacted this year? Or does the ethics reform legislation that did not go forward and probably should not have gone forward because it was in- inadequate, does that get a hearing? Does that get a vote? And so the rules uh, are important only in the sense of what ultimately is done by this legislature. And one thing that we haven't talked about is the fiscal mess that Madigan is leaving behind, uh, the worst funded pension system in the country, the lowest credit rating in the country. We need a leader who can tackle those issues. And Welter said that he intends to. And the final thing I would say is the Women's uh, Legislative Caucus in the, the House They ultimately did rally behind him, but there have been concerns raised about a couple of incidents in Chris Welch's background that he says are behind him and that were resolved to the satisfaction of the two women that we know of who were involved. And so his 
he has had a good track record in legislation as regards women. He he did back the um, the legislation last year that reproductive rights. And so we'll see what his he'll need to go out of his way, I think, to continue that in order to satisfy concerns that some of the women have expressed. You know, and can I jump in there sure. just to say that to me that is something that has sort of gone overlooked again because we had massive legislation passing in the wee hours of the night. You have the first black House speaker, um, one with, as you noted, David, this, this troubled past that I think has to be brought up at this point in time, much as he would love for that to be mm-hmm. out of the conversation, his, his calling it a distraction. But something that hasn't got a lot of attention is, yes, the fact that it really was women who led to the end of the Madigan era, the 19 legislators who Welch was not one of them. Um, In fact, the Black Caucus, of which Welch is a part, obviously, had initially endorsed Madigan, backed Mm -hmm, him for another term as speaker. It was the 19 legislators led by women who said, no, we're not going to do this anymore, and who led to the ascendance of Speaker Welch. Mm-hmm. When I want to turn to, uh, you know, some of the legislation of this past week, uh, we saw lawmakers pass a sweeping police reform bill to end cash bail and require police officers to be licensed by the state, among other reforms. Amanda, the bill was passed in the final hours of the lame duck session in Springfield. How did that unfold? Literally the final minutes, actually, Susie. So you had in, in the Senate, I think it was like, I don't know, 5 a.m. or so. And then a matter of hours later that the House took it up, and that kind of became a to-do. This is, gets to the process that David was talking about just a bit ago in that Democrats who have super majorities were able to say, nope, we're done. We're cutting off debate on this measure. We're going to get about to the inauguration of the new General Assembly and the elevation of Speaker Welch. And so even though this was a huge measure that Republicans really wanted to continue to speak to in debate, they shut off debate. And so mm-hmm. that's the sort of rule change that we are talking about. Um, but it, it, it is sweeping, transformative, comprehensive, touches really, I think, every element of Illinois' criminal code when it comes to both policing and once somebody is arrested and detained, how they are dealt with in both jail and prison. Yeah. Let's go ahead and turn to that COVID-19 update. Um Let's start with the latest in our region today. Illinois reported 6,642 new cases of the virus and 123 additional deaths. David, where do we stand on the state's vaccine rollout? It's not getting the vaccine out quickly enough to many people in the state. We see just in Chicago, for example, they've only been able to vaccinate. They they have the capacity right now to vaccinate 32,000 doses per week that they can apply. There are many, many times that many people who are eligible for the vaccine. And just the functional nature of just getting this to the vaccination centers and getting it to the people is proving to be difficult. Malcolm X College was the first site, and they're spreading it to several others across the city. Statewide, the positivity rate is going down. That's partly to the remediation measures, to people staying at home and staying safe. But as the vaccine rolls out, obviously, this mm-hmm. will, will help that. But the, the downstate rollout is also uh, filled with challenges. It's not a problem of the lack of the medicine, the vaccine itself, but it's a problem getting it to where people can get a needle in their arm and get protected from this deadly virus. 
Yeah, and the, and the governor um, announced a, a plan for that uh, just moments ago. Um, but I, but I want to move to um, the the restrictions that we're still facing. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is asking Governor Pritzker to allow indoor dining and drinking as soon as possible. Amanda, the mayor and the governor have long been split over this issue. Yeah, and it's something that we political reporters watch, of course. It's a little bit of, you know, soap opera style drama, but also I I think there's substance behind it because these are the people who are calling the shots. And it is something that, as you noted, we've seen play out time and time again. The the governor a, a bit more conservative in his approach to Sam the mayor. And yet she has different budgetary concerns and is hearing from people a, a little differently. Um, it is interesting. I was just in Springfield where you had Sangamon County go forward and even before getting the state's okay, permitted mm-hmm. indoor dining. And I personally did not partake, but certainly people were, people are. Um, it, it is something where folks, I think, want to be safe. And yet as this continues to go on and in and the, and the rules change, that there is frustration on the part of certain business owners, certainly restaurateurs, as well as apparently even Mayor Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. Now I want to turn to more of the national news. Um, we're less than a week away from Joe Biden's inauguration, but the nation is still reeling after a mob of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol, leaving Five people dead. David, the president was impeached for inciting an insurrection. Where do things stand right now? Ultimately, this the impeachment goes to the Senate. It looks like Mitch McConnell uh, will not allow the trial to go forward uh, with the current legislature. And that means that the uh, really Democrat-run Senate will be uh, actually trying what will then be former President Trump. And the purpose of that, because he's out of office, what's the point of impeaching him or or confirming his impeachment through the Senate process? Uh, The point is to prevent Donald J. Trump ever from running for public office again. It's unclear whether the Senate will have the votes that are required to do that. We've seen a number of Republicans, including uh, Mitch McConnell, indicate they were open to the prospect, but only a few have actually said they will be willing to vote to convict Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell himself, after early indicating he might do so, now is taking a step back and being a little bit more cautious. And as a reminder, you can hear live coverage of the inauguration on Wednesday morning here on WBEZ. Um, As we wrap up here, uh, of course, uh, the pandemic is still very front of mind. Amanda, um, what do we know of President-elect Joe Biden's coronavirus plan? I know there's a trillion dollar plan that he's he's proposed. Um, What can you tell us about that? Million, right? I mean, yes, more than that. Massive. It is trying to get out more vaccine as soon as possible. He's made some big promises there. And uh, in terms of getting vaccine out within his first 100 days in office, it is one of those calculations where a politician says, here's a measurable result so that I can go forward in this relatively short amount of time and show you what change I made, how I am different. But it certainly is risky given how we've seen the rollout go thus far. Uh, he also is talking about to the glee of here's something that the governor and mayor of Chicago can certainly agree on, uh, needing and wanting money from the federal government to be come down to state city coffers in order to help prop up their budgets, which are having a very tough go of it. And that is something that, unlike the Trump administration, the incoming Biden administration says uh, they want to help. Anything that they can do to get money into the pockets of people, into the governments that need it to help make through this pandemic, that's what they say they are game for. 
And David, in the seconds that we have left, this could bring some much-needed relief to Illinois. What will you be watching as President-elect Biden takes office? Uh, that point that Amanda was just making, that idea that the Trump administration had not only uh, blocked, uh, well, actually, Mitch McConnell blocked the $2,000 checks that were being sent to individuals. The Trump administration had, had blocked the uh, funding to states and municipalities. And Joe Biden has indicated that he intends to do so. The question will be, does he have the votes? Because a number of Republicans in Congress have been uh, wary of the amount of spending that the government is doing on COVID, especially in the Senate. And even though Vice President Kamala Harris will have the tie-breaking vote, that hardly means you necessarily get all Democrats backing up right. this legislation. So we'll see ultimately what happens. It's not a done deal just mm-hmm. yet. That's it for the Friday News Roundup. Thanks to our panel today, Amanda Vinicky of WTTW and David Greising of the Better Government Association. Amanda, David, thanks so much. And that's WBEZ's weekly news roundup. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss the best analysis of the week's local and state news in Podland. The weekly news roundup is produced by WBEZ's Reset Team. I'm Susie Yan. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here soon. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.